Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. How you doing? Welcome. Good to see you guys. We're going to be... Um continuing our message series on the Sermon on the Mount today, and we're kind of teaching our way through um, Jesus' most famous sermon. We've kind of entered into the section that's talking about uh, where Jesus instructs us on about, about how to pray, and um, this made me think uh, this week, I was thinking about it, and I was just thinking about all of these teachings, these accumulative teachings of Jesus, and it made me think of um, my Korg mini-log synthesizer, which I brought with me today. Um, this is, uh, this is the Korg mini-log. I'm going to try to lift this up without dropping it. Let me see if I can do it. Oh, there we go. Actually, this is, the reason I brought this fold, one, is I'm going to play you a sweet little th- ditty right now. Um, and two, I thought, you know, when you search on Discover Hope uh, on the YouTube channel that we have, and you can see all our services there, the picture that comes up is always the person speaking that Sunday. And I thought, how rad would it be if someone was searching and they saw this? I'd, cl- I'd, I'd click on that. Make sure that's the, yeah, okay, I'd click on that for sure. <clears throat> that guy's doing a synthesizer solo. Actually, what it made me think about is this. I was looking for a cool patch on this thing the other day. Um, I played on the worship team last week with when Layla was leading. Yep, that was right. It was awesome. And, uh, and I found this. So this, is, this synthesizer is rad because it's actually, it's mostly analog, which uh, this is pretty musical nerd stuff right here. But uh, it's mostly analog, which means it's like actual wiring inside. It's not all just digital. It's creating these sounds with like real wiring. This is like, in fact, the sa- just can I take just a second to talk about this for a second? All right, I'm going to either way. This is, this, the sounds that are in this synthesizer, when, when Pink Floyd was touring and making many of the same sounds, they had to bring a semi-truck full of like stuff, like capacitors and like walls of like wires and all this to make the sounds. And now look at this, look at it. Isn't that awesome? Semi-truck in here. That's, that's what's happening right now, Kale. It's, it's, there's a semi-truck in here. Okay, so there's a sound on here called Mini Moon. I mean, you got to love that. It's awesome, right? And I was thinking about this, the teachings of Jesus. Oh, yeah, let me connect it to the, right, what we were talking about. So I was thinking about just the teachings of Jesus, how as you read through these things, what's happening in the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, he's, he's causing us to rethink about values, about things that we care about, things that are important to us, uh, things that we believe deep down, uh, just deep in our souls. And, and what he's doing is he's, he's taking things apart and he's replacing them with better things. That's what's, that's what's happening. And many times I think the teachings of Jesus are like, you know, they're just like pure, simple notes. You know, like here's a C. This is, a, this is just a C note, right? I could add a little filter to it. Because that's cool, but I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. This is C. And, and then as you add other teachings of Jesus, right? Other sweet, pure values of Jesus, they begin to harmonize with each other. Right? And they sound good together. They sound good, right? This sounds exactly like it's supposed to. Maybe we add like a third. Oh, there we go. That's nice. Is that good? But here's what happens. Here's what happens is we take these teachings of Jesus and 
Often what we do is we just try to shoehorn them into the life that we already have and, and we add them to our own beliefs and those don't sound as good. Bear with me, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Oh, God, right? Now that sounds more like chaos, doesn't it? That doesn't sound good, okay. Let's make that pain stop. All right, there we go. And so what happens is you have these, what Jesus is doing is he's causing us to let go of these things that we, uh, the mixture, right? He's, he's causing us to uh, stop and think and go, um, what do we want to have dwelling inside of us? Do we want to have the, the values, the beliefs, the, the things that matter to Jesus? And do we want them to be all mixed up and jumbled with, with our, our, um, our selfishness, right? And our, and our um, the, the ways in which we twist these things and, and turn them into something dissonant and chaotic. Instead, he's causing us to slow down. And, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to slow down a little bit, and we're going to return to the, the values of Jesus. Um, what Jesus is doing is he's deconstructing. In fact, if you read the story of how this sermon came to be, he's, he's speaking not only to his followers, but people that were hearing him for the first time, uh, religious leaders and, and uh, the working class and the wealthy and the poor. And he's giving them a way forward into a better kind of thinking. And in the section that we're in, in fact, the last few weeks we've been talking about prayer um, and generosity, and generosity in the context of prayer. And Jesus' disciples, uh, they, they ask him, how should we pray? And he tells us, he's, he said, in this manner you should pray. And so I'm going to read this, this section real quick, and then we're going to go through it just, just line by line and kind of word by word. You guys ready? Okay, this is, we're in Matthew chapter 6. So if you bring, if you bring your Bible to church, you want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're in verse uh, 8, and we're going to just read this together. I'll also have it, uh, Dustin has it for us up on the screen. All right, this is Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to be asking ourselves today, we, the last couple of weeks we um, we've been going through this prayer just line by line, and, and today we've come to the second shortest uh, line in the prayer. And we're going to be asking this question, what's the significance of this line? Give us this day our daily bread in the Lord's Prayer. And as we ask this question, we have to acknowledge what came before, because I think Jesus is very strategic in his words. He puts them, he crafted them in a very strategic way. There's an order to them, and it's important the way they, they unfold. Um, we have to ask ourselves, um, this question, what does it mean to give, uh, give us this day our daily bread? But in asking that question, we have to acknowledge first uh, our Father in heaven. Who are we addressing? It's our Father, our Holy Father. Holy is his name, right? And we have to align ourselves with his kingdom. We talked about this last week, aligning ourselves with kingdom values. We acknowledge that God's ways are better than our ways, right? And today he's leading us in how to ask and what to ask for. So this is the line we're focusing on today. Give us this day our daily bread. It's funny because just a couple of sentences ago, Jesus told us that our Father already knows we need, what we need before we ask. So why does he ask us now 
Uh, why does he tell us now to ask for, for bread, right? Didn't he say that? He said, your father knows the things you, you have need of before you ask him. And then he tells us to ask. Isn't that odd? It's an odd thing. Uh, this reminds me very much of having children. You know, when our, when our kids are small, they're older now, but when they were really small, you know, they would come and they would, they would ask me things. And oftentimes I already knew the questions that they were going to ask before they asked them. But there was a way in which allowing them to ask built relationship. We would sit and we would talk and we'd have conversation. This is what Jesus is leading us in. So let's, let's break down this line and let's, let's ask ourselves, why did Jesus put this in here? Why did he say this? And we're going to go through it just a couple words at a time. We're going to go slow. Okay, we're going we're gonna to slow down. Is that all right? All right, here we go. This line begins, begins with the, 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 these two words, give us. Now, um, in English, give us sounds very demanding, doesn't it? If I said, give us, you know, give us all your cheese. I don't know why I said cheese, but, you know, like, <laughs> give us all your chocolate, you know, whatever. Cheese was just on my mind. Um, it sounds demanding, but, but it's not. It's not. The, the, uh, the Greek language here is much, much softer. It's, it's, um, it's more of a, a plea. It's, in fact, you could almost put the word please, please give us. What's interesting about this line, too, is that it doesn't say me, give me. It says give us. You know, in American culture, we, this is kind of unique to us, um, our culture and our moment in history. We exalt individualism. I did that. You did that. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. I accomplished this. I did it by myself. And we applaud. Yay, good for you, right? You did it all by yourself. But Jesus is leading us back to uh, a lost value of interdependency. That's not a word you hear very often, interdependency. We know about independent. We're, we're independent. We're very independent, aren't we? We're, we're independent. We do things on our own, and we accomplish things, and we, and we feel good about it when we do things on our own. Right? I did that. I built that. I made that. I earned that. Right? That's independence. And, and we frown on codependence, right? Oh, that's, that's codependent. That's so unhealthy, right? It's codependence. It's where pe two people are kind of feeding off their kind of, uh, you know, negative relationship uh, elements, you know, codependency, right? What Jesus is leading us into is something, something more profound, interdependence, where we're actually engaged with one another. There's no solo version of this. Give us. What Jesus is doing is he's inviting us to ask for what we need, and he does it in the context of community. It takes, um, it takes a lot of vulnerability to open yourself up and to express your needs in the presence of others, right? I'm hungry. I'm sad. You know, I'm... I only have this much, and I don't know where my next portion is going to come from. That takes courage, right, to do that. And this is what Jesus is leading us in. Give us. He says, give us this day. That's today. Now, what do you need right now? It's not, this isn't about the future. It's not about tomorrow. It's about today. You know, we are a people that are, is consumed with worry and anxiety. Um... Lots of anxiety out there. Uh, I'm sure if I said, who here has felt anxiety this week, and we did a show of hands, probably most of us would raise their hands, and the other ones would just be feeling anxious about raising their hand, so they wouldn't <laughs> raise their hand. Anxiety is, is very prevalent. 
um, today. And, and, but worry and anxiety is what? It's, it's, at its base level, anxiety is trying to exert your influence over a possible future event. That's what it is. When you worry, you're trying to generate within you the ability to control something that is in the future. But do we control the future? No. So it's purposeless. It's purposeless, right? And what he's doing is he's, calling us, he's causing us to slow down. I, I, well, I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about next week. I'm not talking about later this year. I'm talking about right now, this day, on this day. He's, what he's doing is, is he's leading us to be here, right here, in the moment. To be here, right here, in the moment. This is really hard for us to do because we want to be everywhere but here in the moment, right? Sometimes I do this, I do this um, when I'm really struggling with this, um, and I, here's how I notice it, is when someone starts to talk to me. Did you, does, has anybody here ever seen the old uh, Peanuts cartoon? This used to be on TV in the 80s, but they'd have like specials around the holidays, like the Thanksgiving Peanuts special, you know, Snoopy and Linus. Anyone ever see these? I'm really, oh my gosh, I'm really dating myself. Like, okay, so in these cartoons, you'd have like Snoopy and uh, Linus and you know, all these characters, and when they would be, anytime an adult would talk in the room, it would sound like this. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like all the kids, you could hear what they were saying, but anytime an adult would talk, it was like, right? And I just like doing that. But so I know this about myself. I know that I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety because after a while, my thoughts get so loud that other people's voices sound like that. You know what I mean? And I have to go, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? What did you say? It's really bad when you do it. Yeah, and you do it the most with your loved ones. Have you noticed that? Like, like Amy's not here right now. No, she's coming to the second service. I do this a lot with my wife. It's, it's, it's like, she's talking, and then I'll be, I'm sorry, what did you say? Because what I heard was, right? Not her fault. It's because my thoughts are loud. That's what anxiety is. My thoughts are just like, are just loud. And so when that happens, and when I'm thinking about it, I do this. I stop, and I remind myself, I need to be here right now. I don't need to be later, I need to be here right now. And here's one of the ways I do it, is I ask myself this question, what can I control right now? In fact, will you do this with me right now? What can you control right now? You can control your next breath. So let's do that. Let's take a breath, shall we? That felt good, let's do another one, yeah? I can control that, my next breath. I, I think of this passage in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. My portion means enough. He's enough. The Lord is enough. Therefore, I will wait for him. And then I take another breath. And you know what happens? I, I start hearing people's voices again. <laughs> I can understand what's going on. And I'm living in the moment again. I'm living in the present. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's causing us to slow down and live in this moment. That's a good thing, yeah? That's good. All right, where are we in the line? Okay, next is our daily, right? Give us this day, our daily. Now, this is, this is tricky because this word is a Greek word, episiom, which means nobody knows. No one actually knows what it means. It's a, it's a compound of two partial words put together, and it's in all of the ancient texts, all of the ancient writings from 2,000 years ago, 
is only found in this one place, um, just this one. So Matthew uses this very strategically. He places it here, and we don't know what it means. So we translate it as daily, our daily, um, our daily bread. Um, but, but here's the deal is I'm comfortable with mysteries, and, and here's why. is because as I follow Jesus and I grow closer to him, I realize that I don't understand everything that he says the first time he says it. And that causes me to slow down and to look again and listen again and go back and ask myself questions. And this is really good and really healthy for me, and I think it probably is for you too. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. Epiision, whatever that means, it's a qualifier for the word bread. What kind of bread? What frequency of consumption? We don't know. We don't know. And that's okay. Maybe that's because Jesus, even in the wording of his prayer, is leading us to look back to him and to trust him. I don't fully understand, so I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to pray for whatever my need is today. So what does Jesus mean by, by bread? This has, there's a lot of debate. In Christ, you, you might not know this, but when you read uh, Bible um, commentaries, there's actually a lot of debate about what people think Jesus meant by this. And there's, there's three possibilities, at least. And some think that he meant just actual food. He's just being practical, actual food. Um, of course, the first century Jews would have thought of manna, uh, very common stories in the, in the um, Old Testament. Exodus, you guys remember when the, all of the Jewish people left uh, slavery in Egypt and they're out in the desert? How did God feed them? Yeah, these delicious, nutritious flatbreads would just appear on the rocks in the morning. That's amazing. I'm sure it was like the best bread ever too. And they called it manna, which means just bread from heaven. And, um, and I think that, and, and, and how, much, uh, how much bread did God leave for them each morning? Just enough for what? For that day, yeah. Because he was leading them in, in it, it was a trust exercise is what it was. It was trust. And, and in Deuteronomy, he talks about this here. He says, in, in, uh, God talks about this. He said, in the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you might say in your heart, my power and strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you the power to make wealth. And this is, this is where we've drifted, I think, in our culture is, is we've, we've done things on our own, and Jesus is leading us back to a different way, an ancient way in which we become dependent on God again. So it might mean actual food. It, it might mean spiritual food. Some, you know, some take this passage to mean uh, spiritual food, and that's because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, he says this. Um, you might remember this story where Jesus goes out, and he's fasting in the desert, and he He feels some temptation, and he responds to the devil, and he says this. It's written, man shall not live on what? On bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's a spiritual food, and it's it's the word of God that sustains us. And there's there's another story also. This one takes place in John chapter 4, where Jesus uh, goes to a well, and he meets a Samaritan woman, and they have a conversation. And... And to give himself space to have that conversation, he sends his friends into town. He says, hey, go and look for food in the town. And when he's done with the conversation, they meet back on the road, and they're coming back, and they're, they're loaded up with lunch and maybe dinner for the day. Um, and he says to them, 
I have food to eat that you do not know about. And the disciples said to one another, they said, no one brought him anything to eat, did, did we? Did you bring him something? I, we didn't bring anything. And, and Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. There's something very sustaining about being in the will of God where you know that you're doing what you're supposed to do. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You know, when you're putting one foot in front of the other and you know I'm following the path that God has laid out for me. There's something very spiritually sustaining. And it's possible that he's talking about that here in this prayer. And then the last possibility is that he's talking about something else. Um, we call this living bread. This is from this passage in John chapter 6. He says this, No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. By the way, this is, if you read the Gospels, John is very different because John has a lot of the metaphorical statements of God and of Jesus, and some of them are, are rather jarring. This is, this is one of them, okay? Be prepared to be jarred. It starts out okay. It says this, No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. In other words, Jesus is saying, I, I'm the only one here who has truly seen God. Oh, okay, that's, that's normal enough. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Okay, that's, we're tracking with that. That's all to be expected. I am the bread of life. Okay, what? Uh, he says, your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yes, and yet they died. Yeah, we know that story. That's right. It didn't make them immortal, but they, they were fed. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Okay, tell us about this bread. This sounds good. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. What? <laughs> if anyone was hearing this, this sounds very normal to us because we've heard this before, right? But if anyone was hearing this in the first century, they'd say, what are you talking about? Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh. That's strange, right? Which I will give you for the life of the world. This is a very jarring statement for first century Jews to hear. He's inviting people to come and eat his flesh. That's, that's odd for anyone to say, right? Outside of a zombie movie. <laughs> but this is a metaphorical teaching of Jesus. We, we must participate fully in the values and the teachings and the person of Jesus. Right? He's inviting us fully in. And it is radical. It's radical. It's not cannibalism, but it is radical in the sense that we're, we're fully inhabiting the person of Jesus. So whether it's actual food or spiritual food or living bread, perhaps it's all three of these, but whatever it is that he's saying, he's saying this, that he wants this line of prayer is leading us into something. He's leading us into something. And I think it's this right here, that the way of Jesus leads us into daily reliance on him. Every day, every day he wants us to rely on him. Not just on Saturday night. Not just on Monday morning when we have to go back to work. Every day relying on him. What does that look like? What does it mean to, to rely on him every day? Well, I think to begin with, we slow down. We just talked about that, right? Slowing down. The world is moving very fast. And it's inviting you to move just as fast. And Jesus is calling, hey, slow down. Slow down just for a minute. Slow down. And I think reliance on him as we slow down, what we find is then he's calling us to sometimes into stillness and to silence, to read and pray and to meditate. And yes, and then sometimes to take action, but first to slow down. And does this mean we can't get up and, and do anything or that we have to just, just slow down and then just wait for God? Well, I think we should wait on the Lord, but, but there is action for us to take afterwards. And, and, 
And after, as we meditate and as God speaks to us and, and fills us full of his values, yes, there's, there's things to do and accomplish in this world. But instead of just running around trying to make something happen, we get to be up to the kingdom business. We get to be up to kingdom business. You know, I think sometimes we, we want to create this picture of Christianity as, as um, uh, a practice, a set of rituals or a set of rules, but it's much more like just being a gardener. So what we are is we're gardeners. We're cultivating. We're cultivating the way of Jesus in our own life. And it takes time, and it takes work, and it takes patience. I want to show you a picture of um, what I was working on yesterday. This is my, this, well, there it is. A little blurry, but that, it, that's my bathroom floor. Crazy in that shot right there, but that's my bathroom floor. I, I tiled it last week, and yesterday morning I got up and um, you know, Saturday is our day off, and Amy said, you know, I really think we should, we should just take the day off from home projects because you're like, you're really tired. I said, I am really tired, but I really want to grout that floor, and it'll only take me like an hour, babe. I'm just going to, let me just put on my dirty clothes. I'll grout that floor in the morning, and then we'll just take the rest of the day off. And I, it's white tile, and I used black grout. So I started, and yeah, it took me one hour to put the grout in, and I put my stuff away, and then what you have to do, if you've never grouted tile before, what you have to do is then you have to go back and wipe it all down. So when I first finished, the whole floor is just black, it's just black. And so I put everything away, and I said, almost done, babe, almost done. And I went in there, and I started, to, I started wiping all the tiles like this, and it just smears the black film all over everything. It just kept smearing it and smearing it, and I, okay, I'm going too fast. And I'd stop, and I'd clean up, and I'd clean my sponge, and I'd go back in there, and I'd start smearing again, and it just kept making the mess worse and worse and worse. And finally, I, it, took me, it took me like half the day. I, said, I kept saying, babe, I'm sorry. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I promise. And I, finally, I went back in there, and I took my sponge, and I just began to clean each tile one by one, just one at a time, just one by one, each square tile, one at a time. I started near the bathtub, and then I just worked my way out the door. And then I was done. I could have done that at the beginning, but I just kept trying to do it fast. And, and there's a way in which... You know, I'm doing this, and I'm like, boy, this is a metaphor, isn't it? I'm, I'm going to use this in the teaching tomorrow. It's like, you know, thank, thank you, Lord, for these sore knees right now. Um, he's, te he's telling us all, just slow down, slow down. And when I need to slow down, sometimes I remember this proverb right here. Uh, you might have heard this, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This helps me to slow down. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And this leads me to do two things. And this is how we're going to kind of wrap up our time together. Um, I was going to lead us in doing these two things together. Uh, first is to simplify. It's to simplify. I make life really complicated sometimes. I do. But when I hear the words of Jesus and I, and I put them into action, it, it makes things very simple. It's to live for the kingdom. What are you living for? What are you living for? I want to live for the kingdom. I want to extend the message of Jesus here on earth. And I want to be more like him. That's it. That's it. When I think about living for the kingdom, I also think about this proverb. It says, this, this prayer in Proverbs chapter 30, it says this. Two things I ask you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And give me neither poverty nor riches. Give, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I might become poor and steal so that, and dishonor 
the name of my God. This is using hyperbole, by the way. It's not implying that all poor people steal or all rich people forget about God. It's just, it's, a, it's hyperbolic. But what the prayer is trying to say is, help me to be a person that just lives in the middle and focuses on the things of God. So we want to simplify, and, and second, we want to satisfy. We want to satisfy ourselves in the Lord. Can you live in the satisfaction of God's provision? Can you live there? I think we can. This is a, a beautiful verse from Isaiah. It says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I, that's where I want to live, is satisfied in the, in the Lord and in his provision. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways to, you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.